Hey, good evening. Welcome to the podcast. This is James. I'm so glad you could be here. Uh, we're going to cover, I'm going to attempt to cover just 10 verses in 1 Corinthians on the subject of grace. Uh, a couple of them I put together because they're talking about the same exact thing. If I sound hurried, it's because I am. Um, I have a surprise, and I'm going to actually do a video tonight about that. So you'll have to see for yourself what is in this red box that I am holding. But um, give you a clue, uh, I'm always striving to try to make the, the YouTube channel better. So, um, it has something to do with that. So, here we go. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. See, verse, verses 3 and 4, we're looking at different verses in the Bible that talk about grace. This is all in the greeting. Every... Nearly every letter that Paul wrote, he opens the letter with a greeting and talking about he wants the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, something to that effect. Um, in verse 3 he says, grace to you and peace from, our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4 he starts a section thanking God for them. Um, no, they weren't the most mature church. They had lots of problems. But we should thank God for our brothers and sisters in Christ, even those that we don't agree with. Verse 4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. So he recognizes at the very beginning, before he starts talking about all the problems that they have and how the, some of them are misusing their gifts and how some of them have gone into blatant sin, um, that if it wasn't for the grace of, of God that was given to us in Christ, we would be lost, eternally lost, eternally damned to hell. So we need to remember where the grace of God comes from and verse 4 makes that very, very clear. Look over in 1 Corinthians 3. This is a, I, I love this section of scripture. I know I say that about a lot of it, but this is a great, um, if, if you're saved and you're born again, you don't need to worry about losing your salvation. You know, Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work and you will complete it. Um, but it is possible that sometimes when we um, stray off course, that some of the, the works that we do uh, will be like the hay, wood, and straw in this section. So, Starting in verse 10, it says, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. According to the grace of God given me to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds it. For no one can lay a foundation other than what is which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, 
Each one's work will become manifest for the day of, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now, here he's talking specifically about um, where he goes and teaches and he starts a new church. He builds them up, plants elders, and then moves on. And that's the typical pattern that Paul had. He is what he's doing here is he's he's letting go of the responsibility because when he's not there, he's not ultimately responsible for what the direction the church goes in. Now he he obviously wrote letters to Corinth and Rome and Ephesus and Galatia and uh, Thessalon- Thessalonica, uh, Philippi, Colossae. He wrote letters to these cities because he he cares deeply for the church. But once he st- starts church, builds up elders, you know, builds up men to become elders, and uh, and turns it over to them, it's it's their responsibility as teaching elders to proclaim the truth uh, and to. Uh, to lead the 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 people of God, so now in modern context, I mean, uh, we look at this and we realize that you know the gold, silver, and precious stones represent works that we do that are glorifying to God, and the wood, hay, and straw represent things in our lives that aren't necessarily glorifying to God. Um, for a long time I fought against the f- doctrines of grace and I I, res- I resisted it I was believing in Jesus and I believe that I did become a Christian way back in 1991 but some of the things that I did along the way I'm, I've made some mistakes along the way you could say in a couple of situations you could call it call it sin. And I've repented of those things and God has continued to by the Holy Spirit help me to grow up. I mean, by the way, if you didn't know, today's today is my birthday. Um I feel kind of down in the dumps that my wife is still in Missouri, but she's taking care of family. And it, it has to be done that way. Um, I hope and pray that within the next three months, my beautiful bride can join me down here. Because um, uh, she's not only beautiful on the inside, or the, on the outside, she's also beautiful on the inside. But, you know, I've made, I've made mistakes along the way. And those things will be like the wood, hay, and straw. They get burned up. That's okay. Flip all the way over to chapter 15. By the way, I'm not going the full 30 minutes today. (laughs) Um, After I get done with this and then the video, I'm going to... Uh, be watching some videos from Apologia Church, and I highly recommend them to you. 
Um, can't spell apologia. I think it's A P O L O G I A. Um, uh, apologia Church is the church that Dr. James White is a part of, and Jeff. Um, I almost called him Jeff Dunham. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, my mind went blank, but uh, one of the other elders, his name is Jeff, and he's he's a, an amazing preacher. Um, anyway. Now, I feel bad I forgot, forgot Jeff's last name. If I go to um, Jeff Durbin, <laughs> my bad. Here, okay. Jeff Durbin's uh, amazing guy. He's done sp street preaching. He's spent a lot of years fighting against abortion. Um, just a super guy. I hope one day to meet him. Anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. He's talking about how Jesus appeared to the twelve and then to the 500 brothers. Let me read, start in verse 7. He says, Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On, contra on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but, but the grace of God that is with me. So Paul is getting his complete identity in God's grace. He's saying, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the grace of God. And you wonder, well, why would somebody um, have to make those kinds of statements? Well, throughout 1 Corinthians... If you read it, it's very evident that there were some people in Corinth that questioned Paul's authority to do and say the things that he does and says. He has the authority to instruct them in the ways of the Lord he is the one that planted that church there. He was made an apostle to the Gentiles. And if you go all the way back to verse one or, or chapter one, it's very clear that there's um, this sense of wanting to divide. Or to be more loyal to a person, a human here, rather than to be loyal to Christ. And you have to understand something. They didn't have 
large auditoriums or large sanctuaries back then in these these were house ugh, these are house churches and so there was no uh, I can't think of I'm trying to think of the largest church I've ever been in I've been to Victory Christian Center in Tulsa and that holds over 5,000 I want to say that's the largest one I've ever been in because Gateway in Dallas the Southlake campus I think their sanctuary only holds between three to 4,000 but they have two services on Saturday and then they have three services on Sunday so they have five services where Victory Christian Center in Tulsa has three services on Sunday but in, in the first century you wouldn't have seen thousands of people get together all at once unless they were at the Coliseum um, so when you have these house churches it's easy to get um, to where you're loyal to just the person that's running the house church um, now I understand you, you're never going to be friends with everybody at church especially if your church is over a hundred but you know, and I love the idea of having home groups because that to me models the first century church. You know, people eat together, people study the Bible together, there's fellowship, there's you're gonna be closer to those people. But you still make an effort to try to be um to show uh the love of Christ to everybody in the congregation. Well, I say all that because Corinth had all these separate house churches. The letter that Paul wrote was being passed to all of them. And yet, in you know, 1 Corinthians 1, Yet some people saying, I follow Apollos, and I follow Paul, and I follow Cephas, and others say, I follow Christ. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's why as I make it a point, as a, as a minister of the gospel, my job is to point you to Jesus. I am flawed, I make mistakes, I am human. Yes, I'm saved, I'm born again, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, but I am flawed human being. So, so I too say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So, now, First Corinthians 16.23 is the next uh, verse that has the word grace in it, and it is a part of the closing um, you could literally refer to these letters that Paul wrote as grace sandwiches because he starts off with grace, he ends with grace. And the reason he does it is because it, it is a point of emphasis. 
Let me read verse 21 through 24. It says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. That phrase right there, our Lord, come, that's Maranatha. The word is Maranatha. It's an Aramaic term, and it's a term that the early church used where they said, come, Lord Jesus. Because all the squabbling that's taking place within the church, all the disagreements that we have today between Arminians and Calvinists, um, the disagreements we have between the Catholic Church and, and the, most of the Protestant churches, uh, the differences we have amongst people of different faith groups. And um, I'm not trying to offend people, but the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. So it's not through Muhammad. You know, all those all the disagreements that we have as human beings is going to end when Jesus comes back. Because uh, those who are not in the in the Christian tent uh, are going to look up and realize that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they're not going to like the results. Now, let's go over to 2 Corinthians really quick. We'll read it just a couple from there. Um, Verse 2 in chapter 1 is, is a part of the greeting again. Remember, he starts off letters just like this, and he'll end letters like this. But go down to verse 12. Because something is happening in the body of Christ, and I have to address it here. Um, I was actually listening to The Dividing Line with Dr. James White on the way home, and for some reason, I don't know why, but there are people at Midwest, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is a Southern Baptist Seminary. It's on the north side of Kansas City. It's on the north side of the river. There are professors who are recommending books written by Catholic authors talking about the, the theology of Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas emphasized tradition over scripture. Thomas Aquinas defended the Catholic Church's uh, traditions and the papacy. And he is not somebody that I want to build my theology on. Because once you start adding tradition... You can take the scriptures to mean whatever you want it to mean. Talk about taking the scriptures and twisting them into a pretzel. That's not good. Why do I say all that? We'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. Earthly wisdom, philosophy, that we talked about philosophy a week or two ago. 
It's man's effort to try to describe the world around him. Philosophy doesn't interpret scripture. Actually, I think I mentioned this in one of the videos. I distinctly remember it being in if it was if it wasn't the one I did on Tuesday, it was the one a week ago Tuesday, but um I put right on the screen scripture interprets scripture. If you don't believe that the Bible was inspired by God, you will have to use man's traditions to try to explain away things that you don't believe are real. Well, this couldn't happen because we don't really believe in the miraculous. Of course, we're not going to come out and say it like that. We're just going to say, well, this couldn't have happened because of this, 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 and this. And, you know, Jesus really didn't feed the 5,000. He he just kind of encouraged people to um, to reach into their bag and pull out food and, and they shared. and I mean, that's, that's an actual liberal account of the feeding of the 5,000. Well, Jesus really didn't replicate the fish. He encouraged them to give and they felt cut to the heart. So the, they reached in their bag and people that had food and they were hiding it started pulling it out. I mean, that sounds good. But you got to think about the context. This large crowd followed Jesus there, and they're all hungry. Believe me, if they had food hidden away, they would have pulled it out, started a fire, and they would have started eating. They wouldn't have waited for Jesus to bless five loaves and two fish. Okay? But the, the earthly wisdom that's mentioned here, I think, is a perfect explanation of this movement, with, even within Baptist circles, to embrace the theology of Thomas Aquinas. I'm sorry. If you are a born-again child of God, Thomas Aquinas is not your friend. He's not. I will go so as so far as to say that Thomas Aquinas is a false teacher. So, I would not read his stuff until you are well read in um, Charles Hodge, A. A. Hodge, Spurgeon, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Eric Zwingli. Modern writers like John Piper, John MacArthur, Dr. James R. White. Um, uh, there's a, I've got a book right here called The Basic Ideas of Calvinism by Henry Meter. M-E-E-T-E-R. This is an excellent book. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce. He, he was a pastor of a Presbyterian church in Philadelphia. Excellent writer. And I use his commentary when I do my videos. Cornelius Van Til, the father of the uh, presuppositional movement. Um, so, when you get rock solid on the basics 
of the Reformed faith, then, and only then, would I recommend reading Aquinas. Um, Aquinas defends the papacy. He defends the traditions of the Catholic Church. I don't think it's a good dude. Second Corinthians one fifteen, uh, he talks about um, Oh, I'm, <laughs> I accidentally went to chapter 2. Sorry. Uh, verse 15, Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. What's he talking about? The tendency for the early churches was for Paul to come in he starts the church, he sets up elders, he gets everything in place, and then he moves on. There were these people coming in behind him saying that, well, if, you, if you're going to believe in the Jewish Messiah, then you have to believe, you have to become Jewish. Because Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, he fulfilled the Jewish scriptures, and therefore you need to become Jewish before you can become a Christian. Um, read Galatians, because that's what... He, Paul had to deal with that in the church in Galatia. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. It says, uh, For it is all for your sake, so as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. If anybody says, well, people believe in the Reformed point of view, people believe in the doctrines of grace, well, they're not evangelistic. That's why, you know, the whole tulip and you know, believing in, in that stuff is wrong. That's completely inaccurate. Paul here is talking about how he wants the grace of Christ to be given to more and more people. He wants the church to grow. He wants to see more people get saved. Quite frankly, as a believer in Christ, I have no earthly idea who the elect are. I have no idea. My, all I know is what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you. Go. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. Those are commands. I mean, I, I was in the army. I yes, sir. <laughs> and I salute and I move on. Two more. Well, actually, we're almost at thirty minutes, so this is about right. Second Corinthians six one. It says, "Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain." Now, how can somebody receive the grace of God in vain? Well, I want to ask you this before I answer that question. How do you become a Christian? Or better yet, what message was preached by Jesus and Paul and Peter and the rest of the apostles? What did they say? Did they say, come try Jesus. He's a great guy. Just come try him for a little bit. He's, he's, he's good. No. They said, repent and believe. 
Paul, Peter said on uh, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. Obviously, you have to believe that Jesus, who he says, says he is, that he's more than a prophet, that he is, in fact, the Son of God. Because you're recognizing that your sin is, you know, the reason he had to die is he died for our sin. Now, as I'm sharing, the, sharing you know, I walk somebody through the Romans road, I have no earthly idea if this person's part of the elect or not. I'm just going to share the gospel with them. It's not my job to change them. That's God's job. My job is to proclaim the truth. And as the Holy Spirit uses the reading and preaching of, of God's word, it changes people from the inside out so that they can repent and believe. How do you receive the grace of God in vain? It's those that are like, Oh, Jesus, come, come save me. There's no repentance. There's no turning away of sin, from sin. In fact, they spend a lot of their, the rest of their lives trying to get God to, to say that what they're doing is okay. No, I actually think that's a good place to stop because 2 Corinthians 8, I'm going to read verse 1, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. I'm going to do that all together. It all deals with giving. So that's a good place to stop. We're at 30 minutes. So um, like I said, if you want to see what's in this red box, you got to watch the video that I'm putting out tonight. So love you guys, especially the faithful few that have been, been here since the beginning, um, although I'm thankful for the new subscribers as well. Um, this is a slow process, and God is doing it that way to test me, and that's okay, because God is good, and I'm trusting that as he helps me to grow in the faith, that he will um, provide a way that one day, you know, he's the one who put the desire in my heart to preach in all 50 states, and if it's God's will, then he'll make a way to make that happen, so... Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. And uh, please remember um, and I learned this the hard way. I, uh, even if it's cloudy outside, if it's hot and um, put some sunscreen on. Um, thankfully I was able to get some aftercare for my forearms. Um, but uh, you, you're gonna get if you if you don't take care of your skin if you don't put some sunscreen on, you'll get burned. And so, uh, I don't obviously don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody in in my audience get sunburned. So anyway, I love you guys, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.